As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes. Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM, broadcasting the University of Guelph, Guelph, Ontario campus. This is Android's Dungeon, a show about books, movies, games, music, whatever happened to us when we walked in the studio. In this case, the studio is the chair with the desk. My desk <laughs> is very cluttered. And I don't know how cluttered your work area is right now, Joel, but um, I know for some people, they can't stand working in a cluttered environment. And for me, there's like a tipping point of too much clutter, and it feels good to clean. But it kind of just gradually recombines, uh, kind of like uh, the T-1000 effort's been blasted into pieces, and all the, they start melting. And kind of like dishes, you know, it just kind of feels endless. Yeah. Thank you. So what, how, where, how would you rate your, your work uh, environment at the moment, or your office, Let me in see. terms of clutter? There's a coffee mug from the coffee I had this morning. There's a balloon that I would use to entertain the boy from his okay. birthday party. Yeah. There's a little hippo that when you drive it, it, it makes balls inside of it bounce. Okay. And a uh, case of Tic Tacs. So not bad. That's it? I think you're doing pretty well for right yourself. My phone. If that's all you've got on your desk, I think you've <laughs> you're doing very, very well for yourself. Yeah. To be fair, it's not a very big desk, but true. The more space you have, the more it invites, uh, you yeah. know, adding clutter to it. Yeah, I like to keep pretty organized. Uh, mostly clean up after other people in this house. Mm. Um, Do you think that's a, a holdover from your professional life, where you you have to be semi organized, or else it's just things get out of control? Yeah, a little bit. It's still frustrating, obviously, but um, yeah, it's been fine, really. Uh, you get into good habits, you know. Don't leave things too long. Get get the get in the swing of things. That, uh, I don't know. I work you, with my father, and the he 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 literally came in and told me to stop whatever I was doing and clean my office. Uh, yeah. And it gives him anxiety because his, his area is just is very, you know, there's a little bit of clutter in, or in the periphery, but the desk itself is, is virtually clutter free. So him seeing my kind of sprawl of stuff on my area was, it, it was giving him anxiety and it was creating problems. So I had to do it, mo- you know, I wanted to do it, but I also had to do it to just make him happy. Uh, so, you know. It worked both ways, and I do enjoy my setup, but I can kind of feel it creeping back. I got to stay on mm-hmm. top of things. Dust is one of the things. I hate dusting. It's such a pain. I think sometimes like a, a totally clean area is kind of a luxury. Like It's like you don't actually need this space. You're just, um, just hanging out there, you know? Yeah, true. Uh, Joel, what have you been playing recently? Um, I've been playing, I, I, you know, the family's away for a little bit. I've been managing to get a little bit of Bloodborne in. Okay. Went said hello to a certain blood-starved beast. How did that go? Send him packing. How many tries? Ten? At least That's ten. not bad. It was did the poison start uh, getting to you, or was it just his attacks? Well, I had a lot of antidotes piled up 
Um, so they weren't really a problem. And you know what I ended up doing? I ended up giving up all of the other things that I had tried, you know, dodge, hit, hit, dodge, slash, slash, whatever. Uh-huh. And instead, I just decided to only parry. <laughs> and <laughs> it sounds like, um, sounds ridiculous, but I just kind of, I kept waiting and, you know, you can use the pillars and everything and you just kind of find that right moment and then parry. And I counted. It takes, just in case you're wondering, it takes six parries. That's not a lot. Zero, zero additional work. So I think it was worth it. I think if, if something can be parried, why not? It's just my issue with the parries with some of those monsters is that they're the... Because Bloodborne, as, as much as it's one of my favorite games in that entire series, there's a thing. There's a reason why people kind of criticize it for the style of monster, which is great in Bloodborne because the game is very fast and it's not as punishing as other games. But everyone after Bloodborne introduced Bloodborne-style bosses and enemies, which are the ones that seem to have a million attacks and they go crazy, and it's difficult to tell what's really going on, and you're just kind of like hoping for the best. <laughs> and <laughs> there's some monsters in Bloodborne that, when it comes to parrying, like it, it feels fair. Like if you screw it up, you screw it up. But with some of them, it's just like I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just kind of mashing, shoot, and hoping for the best. And occasionally you get it. So absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it only takes like losing to a guy a bunch of times to kind of get the signals of like when he's gonna do his big attack, because that's like yeah. the biggest window. Yeah. And obviously there's certain mobs out there where it's just like, okay, you've got this locked. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> uh, I went and saw saw Vicar Amelia once or twice and even though she's pretty slow, um, at least in the first phases, yeah. um, she, she, she's um, it's kind of like you really have no idea what she's going to do next. <laughs> erratic yeah it's funny because when you understand them more because like i was saying you can break vicar amelia pretty easily by just attacking you go for a one paw then the next paw and then go after her head and visceral like usually can, can kind of cycle her pretty quickly especially if you put um fire on your weapon and so you're getting bonus oh, damage right. on top of the bonus damage and just you're laying into her but she can do nasty i don't know if you saw, get to got to see her do the heal move too so if you don't know what you're doing you can get through the fight think i got this i got this and then she runs away and all of a sudden why is her health coming back like, no 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 it's... well i heard something that like you don't really want to kill her yet so i kind of left because oh no no after there's... you kill her it becomes night and there's really no difference unless you're really trying to do something specific with the different type of uh, or different phases of the day which okay. is pretty rare in my opinion i wouldn't worry about it uh, but I'm glad you're playing it. I'm glad you're. I hope you're enjoying it. I just think yeah, it's tremendous. So Bloodborne is a game. No. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure like in some of your solo sessions, you've definitely talked about Bloodborne, right? Probably. I just because <laughs> I think I did a replay of it semi recently. Because but... usually, because I've listened to a fair bit of them, and usually it's a video game, and. Uh... I mean, I can't. I just can't imagine you not <laughs> when it comes to Bloodborne. How many times have you played it? Probably only six times, I think, and not necessarily finishing every time, but six. I yeah. think. And by the time you're like you've uh, reached your experience level, probably doesn't even take you that long anymore. 
there's still some very difficult fights, and you're going to come across them. So, it's <laughs> <laughs> something to look forward to. And especially if you get into the DLC, because the uh, it's designed for post-game content, and some of the regular mobs are just absurd, uh, unfairly so, in my opinion. That's they kind of screwed some things up there. And but some of the bosses are just like, a lot of people swear by the DLC because they're um, uh, there's one boss in particular everyone thinks is just perfect, which I'm I'm indifferent on. I, I kind of feel like she's a little cheesy at times, but. Uh, Overall, just tremendous, tremendous game. And what's interesting is that the game is so popular, and everyone talks about it being one of their top, like easily top two. If you had to pick any one of the recent From Software games, like the Miyazaki directed ones, but they, there's never been any mention of a sequel to it. Never even a, a hint of it. Meanwhile, you got. Well, you think it's like kind of a side. Side. I quest? don't know. I don't know. Because they, they, they did. Quest. I unlocked a side quest. Killing that. Guy. Which one? Uh, I don't know. It's a. Uh... Something something dungeon. I did a chalice. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Chalice. Yeah, after you kill the bloodstarved beast, you get a chalice. Yeah. Yep. You can just go through those, and you can understand how half baked they are. And you know, you do them when you're desperate for more bloodborne content. But there are <laughs> unique enemies and bosses in there too, which is funny. And people were still finding unique monsters uh, until just up semi recently too, or unique bosses because there is stuff that you'll only ever see in chalice dungeons under very very specific like random elements nice, yeah it's nice that you can like kind of um not not really know what to expect mm-hmm. come into situations like that yeah and uh it, it's, it's just we haven't we've never come cl- like elden ring everyone swears about and i really enjoyed it i did but it still doesn't hold a candle to bloodborne in my opinion the focused single player experience even though they both kind of screw things up with their copy-pasted dungeons that they kind of... Like, Bloodborne's are more shameless that it's just... It's random dungeons, but there's really, like, maybe three or four that kind of get rearranged and maybe a couple of gimmicks here and there versus Elden Ring's dungeons, which are a little more dynamic. But at the end of the day, you've seen one. You've, you've basically seen them all. It's almost up there with Skyrim in terms of the... and it, Which it, I didn't know until way after that those dungeons were randomly generated, but it makes sense. It's like it did not feel... Uh, handcrafted, yeah. which is kind of what you get from there. But uh, all right, well, sorry, please. Good. I was just gonna say, yeah. Uh, um, I, I've always kind of like given one of these games maybe like half an hour to an hour, and been like, <laughs> mm, you know what? Maybe Not I don't want to get good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've, I've taken this one seriously, and I think it's paid off. I think you know, I'm having a lot of fun just. Now I can like kind of run through mobs where wherever I please, and it's it's kind of sad in a way because you like memorize exactly where everybody is, and so that you can just go in and do like the exact same set of moves to like you know farm for health or whatever it is mm-hmm. you need to do. Yeah, it's it's luckily I think Bloodborne again, it doesn't you don't have to farm very much in it, generally speaking. Like, you will, sometimes early on, you can run out of blood vials, especially if this is your first playthrough and you're really just kind of spamming them. Yeah. But, like, when you, you've played it enough and you kind of know some of the tricks and the the bad areas, you're going to end up with tons and tons. And by the end of the game, you're just going to have so much extra, like, you go to level up, you've got some spare experience, you're just going to go, oh, I'll just spend them all on blood vials. <laughs> just, I'll just, because I might lose it anyway, who cares, so... Uh, yeah, I really hang on to extra, just in case. Yeah, because it resets anyway, so it's just like I'm you get replenished. Exactly. All right, so aside from uh, the computer games, Joel, have you been playing anything else? Any uh, board games? 
Yeah, I mean, we so it's kind of exciting because these guys are talking about doing this every Tuesday now. Isn't that cute? Out of nowhere, I know. It's like, well, good luck, guys. Have fun. But um, yeah. it's um, we. I made a chat with like just kind of the usual suspects of the last uh, couple months as far as who we've been playing with. And a couple of them are just like new entries from the Facebook or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's good to see that uh, we managed to get... Um, was it four out, I think? Five, including you. Yeah. And then... Um, we played... Uh, I think it's called Mini Rails. Let me just double check that. Either way, it was like a, a light train game of sorts. Mini Rails, yeah, that's what it's called. So basically, like uh, it's kind of like a race to the middle with these various train companies i think there's six train companies you uh you you do two things on your turn you either buy air or build a rail for any of the things and in order to do it there's these little circular buttons uh that you kind of go from one side to the other so you're you've got two people right one for each of those actions and they line up and that's their turn order and then wherever you place yourself along the row that's the next round's turn order. It's a bit like, um, mm. have you played, you've played obviously King Domino, right? Yeah, it's been a long time though. But one of the things in King, one of the functions in King Domino is like the, the higher up you go, which is like the better the card, the lower down it is. But yeah. the higher up you go, the earlier you go next time. So you want to mm-hmm. get, there's something like maybe you don't really like what's out there. And you can instead choose to um kind of wait and see what else you could uh like pick pick the lousy card up top just to get the chance to get first dibs next time kind of thing. Yeah, yeah it's neat when games let you because Cathala really cares about turn order when it comes to oh, yeah. um his designs generally speaking like things like um like the immediately comes to mind cyclades with you know, depending on which god you take is where you're going to go, and that's very important. And yeah, King Domino. Cyclades is super. Um, I'm just, I'm kind of blanking on some of his other designs. Uh, five Tribes, the, there's tons oh, yeah. of bidding with that, yeah. and it's super important when you want to go, especially if there's some obvious great move, or you know that Joel's going to make a certain move, and he's going to have to leave these guys behind, and you can capitalize. Anyway, juicy decisions at times. So anyway, please, go on. Uh, so that was Mini Rails. So that was mini rails. Basically, um, the stocks don't have intrinsic values. They only have values on your own board based off of how much they move after you buy them. So, you know, you can't just say, oh, well, teal is worth, or sorry, uh, tan is worth, um, tan is worth uh, seven. So I'll buy a tan because when you buy the tan, it starts at zero. All right. So, so whatever happened before doesn't really matter. It only all that matters is what happens after you buy the stock. Uh, and then there's this whole thing where if the yeah, a token needs to be left behind in order to have paid its taxes, and there's always only one token left at the end once everyone's gone. So certain of these rail companies will have never pay their taxes, and you can only lose points from them. You can never <laughs> gain points. So no matter where your bottom is, yeah. If it's in the negatives, it counts. And if it's in the positives, you just throw it out. 
Okay. And then vice versa. So if something has paid their taxes, you can never lose money from it, but you only gain. So that's mini rails. Basically, you play six rounds to see who has the most points. Pretty simple, kind of like it's boiled down the train game or the 18xx into a, into a fun little, you know, 25 minute adventure. Is it? Is it actually fun, or does it kind of is it one of those things where you can sit there kind of going, oh, I actually want the bigger one. Oh yeah, you definitely want the bigger one, but you know you're waiting for Jack to show up. Yeah. So, so you play the short one. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. And close your eyes and pretend he's gonna show. No, he did yeah. show. And he's yeah. Just laugh. after, and I showed up and I was like, oh, where's where's Joel? <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's abandoned us. Yeah. He fled. Yeah. Well, he, they were playing Jack, and I was thinking, okay, Jack's about to show up, and uh, you know, those guys begged me, and I was like, yeah, I'll be all right. You, it's just I cannot imagine it, between the darkness and the cold. Like, it just sounds so miserable. It just doesn't sound fun at all. Disking in this weather, if it's you know, if it was two to minus two or zero or something, maybe lightly snowing, that's fine. I can handle that. <laughs> but when it was negative, what was it, thirteen or something? And it's icy, and it's it's it just it's it, the the moon was clear too. You just know it's so cold. It's one of those real cold <laughs> nights. I think <laughs> just, I think it's gonna be that cold on Friday too, or seventeen. It's gonna be the coldest, crazy. minus twenty six on Friday. Oh my god! Just don't go outside at all. Yeah, it, stay inside at night, folks, on Friday. So, which is tomorrow, I guess, when you're listening to this. Um. <laughs> So when you when I left though, what what were you? Did you end up playing something? Yeah, so it was a bit weird. I didn't know. Did you have to rush out, or did you were you just not expecting another game? Well, I was half not expecting another one because I thought people were packing up, and also it's like, oh, you know what? It's I don't know what you guys are gonna do, but if Jason's gonna call it at like ten thirty, and what was it like nine forty or something when I left? Yeah, or so I was like trying to head out too. So it's, it's, it wasn't like a. I was surprised, but he did. He did uh, say, "Like, well, you know, we got a little window here. We can sneak in another one." So we did. Yeah. So and what you did you do? Packs. How did packs go? Uh, it was so I saw that. So I saw packs when I came in, and I saw Jason win turn one dominance check, which is pretty rare to see. But just like it came, it it happened, right? And uh, and it's it was almost it was satisfying in one end because I was sitting there prepared to be like just enjoying watching them, and then the game ended. So it was, okay. I guess we get to play something. That's nice. Um, but I didn't get to follow it very closely. It just looked like the you know the way it came out. It was the way it came out, which can happen. Like you can, the way PAX is is that it's similar to I guess you could say Pandemic, and this is the only time I'll ever compare the two. In that you could play the game perfectly and still lose if the guy next yeah. to you plays perfectly and the cards just come up better. That's all it is, and there's there's no way around it. And I'm not saying yeah. that both people played perfectly, but everyone did. Please. I think I have lost Pandemic actually on the first round. Did you really? So, yeah, it was just one of those things, you know, outbreak, outbreak, outbreak. Boom. Yeah, in the worst spots. Yeah. Ran out. Yeah, of it's. And that's it. like I love Pandemic. We've talked about Pandemic Legacy on this show. It's it's a great game, but it it, it nobody's like the idea of tournament Pandemic always surprised me because I, they do stack the deck, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, because it would be impossible otherwise. Because if you try to do just everyone gets a shuffled deck and you know play on the hardest difficulty, it's there's no <laughs> someone's gonna get lucky and someone's gonna get very unlucky. Uh, exactly. Gonna end up with. But yeah, I mean, we did actually mention Pandemic uh, while we're playing The King is Dead, which was the last game we played in that uh, 
Jason doesn't think anybody will ever want to play it again because it's too real now. That's what he said. Too real. <laughs> I don't think I want to play it just because it's like if I have the option to play a game, it's going to be lower on the list than something else. But that's just me. Yeah. Anyway, the King is Dead is uh, I always love these tiny maps with cubes on them, and you're trying to area control those those things. There's yeah. another one. Uh, I think it's Samurai. Uh, and there's there's this third one where you're, you're uh, I think it's into actions. You try to uh, you reveal like it's kind of like in diplomacy where you put a tile down and then you flip it. We all do it all at once, and then you all do different things where you manipulate a map where I think it's like the islands of Japan or something like that. It's, isn't it the Battle for Rokugan? Yes, that's the one. Yeah. Really good. Uh, I think I played at CottageCon last. But it's, uh, King, I heard it was great. King is Dead is in that vein. Um, so it's uh, cubes on the map. Cubes on the map represent the English, the Scottish, and the Welsh. And basically, you're vying for control of regions. And kind of like uh, you think about um, what's the one where you're uh, Tammany Hall, where you're trying to, to, to win elections in New York, except this is probably a little more bloody because it involves soldiers. Uh, but basically, uh, the regions are randomly shuffled and dealt out. And there's like uh, there's eight regions, I think. And then each of them are contested one at a time. But you have a deck of cards, or sorry, a hand of cards. Everybody has the same hand of cards. Um, and the catch is you're only able to use that hand of cards once for the entire game, all eight contests. So if you really want to win a contest, hopefully you're only using maybe like two cards to kind of manipulate things and you don't get into a... You know, uh, you don't get some conflicting interests that are doing everything they can to stop you. Um, and basically, every time you manipulate the map and move these cubes around or put cubes down, but because of your cards, you get to take a take a cube off. And the funny thing about that is, you are trying to support. Let's say you're trying to support the English, so you want to move the cubes around the English cubes. In, in regions for them to win those regions. That's great, except for two things. One is, in order to be the person who, you know, it's kind of like in Pax Premier where you're trying to support a certain faction the most, whoever mm -hmm. has the most cubes of a color are, are the highest supporters of that. So you actually have to take English cubes off of the board in order to show your support for them. But in doing so, you're also hurting England, right? Because they have one less cube. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's kind of odd. And then uh, to further complicate things, every time you win a contest, in order to win the contest, you remove all of the cubes from that space. So let's say you want to dominate a region, so you put five English cubes down there, and everyone says, ha, we're not fighting you for that. Five English cubes go off the off the map, and nothing else is lost, right? So yeah, you got to be super careful. I think more often than not, the games have ended in ties. And when the games end in ties, the French invade and then yeah. they win. Um, and then there's like a, I think Jason won in a triple tiebreaker because it was like um, whoever has the most supporting cubes of the leading nation, which ended up being Wales, 
um, wins. Well, we had the same amount of that. And it's like, okay, then you go to whoever has the most cubes of the second most powerful nation. Well, we were tied for that too. So then the third tiebreaker was uh, whoever got rid of their last card first. <laughs> and that was Jason, so he won. Yeah. Well, you know, at that point, you might as well just be like, you know, it, I guess we officially need a tiebreaker, but at this, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but it's a it's a light, quick game with a lot of uh, strategy to it. So that's kind of, that's one of our favorite for, uh, we talk about a lot. We talk about these games that are very basic on the surface, but have a lot of depth when, uh, depth of strategy. Ease of play, depth of strategy, right? Yeah, it's That's the key to success. It's interesting because we're talking about Pax Smear, and supposedly um, Cole references King of Dead in his design. King is dead in his design notes because there's a lot of similar beats between the two. Uh, mm-hmm. Primarily, the idea of this cynical, um, you know, loyalty, uh, you know, or alliance system that you've got that. You're not personally, you're, it's not like you start off as the Welsh or you start off as the English or so on. You're just a warlord trying to, you know, pick which way the winds are blowing and figure it out so that you can be on the winning team at the end. And it's this notion that um, if you, you kind of extrapolate it to all of politics, that everyone's just a cynical actor looking out for number one and uh, just kind of attach themselves yeah. to the big parasite or be the parasite to the big dog in the, uh, in the, the the yard and just the way that you're constantly trying to balance the different factions and figure out other people's motivations and it's again it's not necessarily that you are trying to get your own faction to win specifically it's that you're just trying to pick the right one and gently nudge it in the right direction so if joel is doing something that i like in this case i go yeah i'm not gonna screw with joel over here i don't like what jason's up to though so i have to mess with him and hope that joel doesn't pull a fast one and start trying to undermine me later on because he understands what i'm doing so there's this jockeying for control that's really intoxicating and couple that with the fact that you know exactly which regions are going to activate and that you know everyone has the exact same cards and you know that whenever they're played, that person is down that card. And if they wanted to, like you were saying, you can burn through all your cards in one round if you wanted to be a, an insane person and mm. sit there and not enjoy the game or sit there sit holding there out not playing any cards. Yeah. And hold on to your card. So it's a it's a really delightful t- little puzzle of timing and politics, and you know, anticipating what people are going to do, and you know, reading where they go from there. And it, it's it should be more popular, but I think the theme is so dry, and yeah. it's not the prettiest of games. Not that I have a problem with it personally, but if you were to slap that down on the table, pardon me. I think it's very expensive too. Jason was saying he paid way too much for it he paid he overpaid some he paid some insane amount of money for it that i don't think was uh because i think it should only be like 50 or 60 bucks which is a lot for what it is so but it's a lot, yeah. but anyway considering it's like uh i don't know maybe 20 cubes and 40 cards yeah it's definitely like there it's a premium there the king is dead it's not even showing up on uh bgb so that's not good i think it is it out of print already it's probably Yeesh. why you had to pay so much yeah that could have been it did he buy it secondhand anyway i'm not even seeing it when i type it in so that's not a good sign um but anyway it's a great game and if you're if anyone's ever looking for something that it would be like a heavier sort of uh i don't say palate cleanser but maybe an intro game or end of the night game 
Highly recommend it. I just don't know if it's out of stock or anything before I start recommending. <laughs> I'm just going to go on a board game oracle. I'll type in Gang is Dead. Second edition, 2020. Uh, out of stock, out of stock, out of stock. In stock for $53. Board games and more. Never heard of it. Uh, $67 Dragon's Den, $67 La, La Vallée de Coeur, and 70 bucks at Rain City Games. So <laughs> if you want to, <laughs> you can get it for 53 bucks at uh, some store I've never heard of. Which does not, it's, it's a lot for what you're getting, but the game is great. 30 to 45 minutes, two to four players. Good, good, good stuff. Um, and since it's out of stock, just buy, uh, buy the Battle of Rakugan instead. And that's out of stock too, Joel. <laughs> <laughs> Battle of Rakuk. I'm pretty sure it's like out of print too, because it was one of these fantasy flight games that they culled when uh, Asma D took over, and they're like, "We're not, we're only going to sell stuff that's got <laughs> like Twilight Imperium written on it, or uh, Netrunner, or something along those lines." Yeah, it's too bad. All right. Well, uh, the last thing I'll say before we go to musical break is that the the game of Pax Mirror that I played was interesting because for me, I haven't played in about a year and a half. And it, it was like riding, I described this when I posted about it on Twitter with the picture I took, that it was like riding a, um, a wonky, wobbly bike that's trying to kill you, and the wheels keep changing whenever you think you're on the right path. And uh, we, it, was, it was Kaz nearly won outright in the first round. I was the only one that went with the alliance that didn't get anything, so I was at zero points. Kaz got the most, and then Jason and Levi split the remainder. And then the next round, I was doing pretty well for myself, but the way it worked was that each one of us specialized in one ability. So all Levi could do was kill stuff. Uh, all Jason could do is make money. All I could do is make stuff. <laughs> and all Kaz could do is make spies, I think, or something. And it was just this slog, this absolute slog that came down to a second dominance check, and Kaz was aligned with me. Uh, so to be honest, I was the OG Afghan and then Kaz hopped on and <laughs> I should have switched. I should have switched to Russia, but at this point it was just like kind of a, a sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, and it was the right thing to do. So unfortunately he rode this bandwagon to, uh, we split the win with the dominance check, but that was enough to put him with the one extra point, uh, to the uncontested, uh, I think four points ahead or five points and he won outright. So, you know, it was fine because the game was dragging and, uh, to be like as as much as I liked it, that it was a little sloggy. Where the, there were round after round where nothing really happened, and you're just kind of grinding through the cards a little bit. It's but, funny, like it felt slow, yeah, and the way things were happening. But you played two games of Pax Premier in much less than two hours. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, when you know what you're doing, you can go pretty quick. Yeah. Uh, and the first one ended like in a crazy fluke. You should not see that happen most of the time. So that, to be honest, we probably shouldn't have been able to even play the second game. That first one should have been going right till the end, but it just didn't. And with four players, it should be very difficult to end the game and with after the second or third dominance check. But that was it was a mixture of my uh, my ignorance and Kaz's brilliance because it was just you know I I. I I think I was a little just kind of like, let's just get the show on the road, folks. It's just, we got to get this <laughs> moving a bit here. Along, yeah. But, oh, look, Kaz won. That, well, good game, Kaz. Good for you. Not, I'm not trying to take any, anything from Kaz. All I'm just saying was that I think my patience was definitely a little. And I felt bad for you, Joel. You're sitting there, like, looking at. Code. It was a home field <laughs> advantage when, uh, yeah, well, that's fine. 
Uh, I did it to myself by going to play discus. Um, it was a home field advantage for sure because I, I put the report out as to what we played and who won at the end, and I realized that, uh, like, I don't know, Kaz doesn't actually live there, but he's there a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just Kaz and Jason, Kaz and Jason, the winners of all the games. Well, it's like, uh, hmm, they're picking their two favorite games to play constantly. Hmm. Yeah. No, I, I don't care. I'm just, I'm just joking. We'll have to bring our own next time. Yeah, I'll just bring, bring our own. I'll bring Lords of Waterdeep and <laughs> laugh. <laughs> just Joel, when you want to play, you just got two games: DC and Lords of Waterdeep. Oh my god! Yeah, Here we just go over and over and over again. Hey, anybody want to play Twilight Struggle real quick? <laughs> I don't even know what I could do. The only, like, the only thing I think of was dropping cyclades on the table, and even then, it'd be like I, I'm, I'd still lose probably. So just be, what am I doing? <laughs> I'd have fun though because I love that game. You're a sickly shark. Wait, yeah, I don't know. Wait, about let that. somebody else build a metropolis and then just take it. Just the whatever the uh, guy the Pegasus flies all. Yeah, the Pegasus. Well, you should have anticipated it. A round nine Pegasus strap. <laughs> round nine. Yeah, I'm anticipating it. It's like uh, Twilight Struggle. You're expecting different scoring or events to show up, which would be interesting. You know, why not the, the whole. Twilight I love the card driven war game thing. It's just such a neat idea and I'm I'm really looking forward to playing um uh 1960 Making of the President, the uh the Z-Man games that oh, yeah. uh, I bought from Levi. I'd love to get on the table, but uh, again, it's one of those things that uh, somebody was saying, "Oh, it's Hassan." So Hassan is like a huge Twilight Struggle fan. Said yeah. he didn't like 1960 because um you know, the entire Cold War has enough interesting events that thematically each of those cards actually means something but when you try to make an entire deck of the things that happen during a presidential campaign some of them feel a little like but like if you're not in it for the theme of how the election went and it's and you're in it to play a fun game you're probably fine because it sounds like i wonder how old he is too yeah yeah Yeah, i think if you was like maybe he was alive but he definitely wasn't interested in the election at the time yeah i i, I don't yeah i'd be surprised i don't know if he was alive but i'd say more at least he grew up probably in the cold war uh so yeah. there's some sort of that's true i mean he probably remembers at least the fall of the wall yeah exactly for us like even though we were born before it's what are we two years old thinking about <laughs> pointing at it yeah Yay, we did it. We won. USA. USA. <laughs> Get him with some McDonald's. <laughs> Yay, <laughs> nice. All right, well, let's take a break and uh, we'll come back and we can do Oh, we can do a uh, D&D rundown. It's been a little bit. Oh, yeah. Got one. Right, stay tuned.
Welcome back to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM. What you just heard was two tracks from, I don't know how new the album is. I'll just click on the properties and see the details. 2022, year old about. Uh, the album The Madman from Deonara. Uh, first track, Coming Back from the Hill. Second, The Madman House. Some again, it's if I don't want to spoil the Grammys and the best mm-hmm. original score for this year, but if you haven't put your money on Dea Dea Nara, you're you're just missing out. This is a lock. It's free cash. So careful, Nara is going to send you a cease and desist from through Anchor. <laughs> it's stop I talking think, about me <laughs> I, I think most of these guys i, I don't want to be i'm not going to be presumptuous i'm not going to be rude to them because i really do like their music and i respect them i think most of these guys are very happy that anyone is playing their music outside <laughs> on of the radio too on the radio of all places they and also that. I, i'm not sure if they do joel <laughs> i think it's only canadians that get paid uh but I'm, i i have to be sure because how are they going to contact this guy go to Bandcamp and try to paypal him the t- three cents or something? <laughs> i'm sure chris is very ethical in his uh supportive artists that get syndicated i th- i think the canadian ones do it i but i just have no idea i'd have to ask him how it works but uh anyway some some cool dungeon synth this stuff so kind of a little spooky uh, and with a title like The Madman, you kind of have an idea of what you're getting into. So before we left, we were talking about uh, some Bloodborne, King is Dead, Pax Pamir, Mini Rails. Uh, now is time for a, a borderline bi-weekly segment, if we're lucky, uh, where we get to break down uh, a bit of what's been happening in the world of Dungeons & Dragons. And the, the content on D&D has slowed a bit, because for a while there, Joel was doing his weekly campaign. excuse me and then uh that kind of it's on hold at the moment and we've picked up again with curse of strahd which i'm running and we're just a recap it is set in the 5e edition of ravenloft which is decidedly nicer in terms of mechanics than the third edition second edition three and a half edition three and a half i don't i think there was a brief one of four uh but uh, is is a, a more open-ended adventure set in the the gothic horror kind of universe of Ravenloft in Barovia, ruled by the capricious and cruel Count Strahd, or Baron Strahd, if you're Joel. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's doing it on purpose at this point or not. It's, <laughs> time is a flat circle. We'll find out. Uh, and uh, I'll let Joel take her from here because I like to hear his take on what happened. So, Joel, if you don't mind providing a, a rundown of what happened and to get into your thoughts as it happens or uh, afterwards, please. Sure, sure. Well, uh, Jack has the foresight of asking before we play, what do you think you're going to do this week or what do you, you want to do this week? Uh, just like in the chat of like where we arrange our game. So he did. And, uh, you know, true to sort of like the next idea because we are supposed to be escorting someone there uh one of us said um well let's go to the next town over right because um we're trying to get a couple people there and that seems to be the next plot point we'll probably find out more about what we're doing there and then I, (laughs) you know like a little bit of a, a troublemaker maybe i don't know but mentioned that I wanted to stop and see how the pies were made, which we talked about the pies last time. Yes. We have a couple pie addicts amongst us. And 
um, you know, I just curiosity got the better of me or or what, but I I, I really wanted to go investigate um, the pie shop or sorry, the pie factory as it was. Um, and I, I remember when we were in town, I think it was like two sessions ago and we stopped to say hi. No, I guess it was the last session mm-hmm. prior to this one. Uh, when we stopped just on the way out of town to buy some pies, <laughs> Alex decided that he wanted pies so badly he would give up his weapon and all of his armor and everything that he had picked up <laughs> up until that point. Um, should have given him inspiration for should that. Should have got inspiration for that for sure. I mean, he really leaned into his addiction. Yeah, I know. I was to be honest, I forget about inspiration all the time. So yeah. Oh well, I'll come up again. Yeah, I'll, I'll um, give him. I'll tilt the scale. But I remember her, that's when we found out, she, she mentioned, oh, you know, these are made at a mill, my daughters make them. And as soon as I heard my daughters, I was like, oh yeah, these guys are hags. <laughs> and I said it out loud, but I, I don't think anybody heard me, and everyone was kind of like, caught up in the moment, you know, like, so what ended up happening, <laughs> long story short, is we went to the factory, and there were some nice old ladies there, um, and they were just working away, making pies. And sure enough, we ended up attacking them because, um, you know, if you spend enough time somewhere and you have the right kind of personality, <laughs> eventually relations, relations will sour. And I always had a tough time as a DM trying to figure out when people are being really rude to my NPCs, how much they At take? At what point do I just stop <laughs> arguing with them and start attacking them? <laughs> and you were very patient, like insanely patient. So props to you on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, eventually, uh, the one person who always starts fights, Mark, uh, smashed someone in the back of the head, I think. And then, yeah, that's uh, right. <laughs> and then, oh, surprise, surprise they're hags and you know hags come in a lot of different shapes and sizes and you know sometimes you know there's probably ones out there that we could beat at a as a group of level fours we are level fours right yeah um but i just did not have a good feeling about it they were they were doing some spells and stuff that seemed pretty strong and i was just kind of like you know what I think this is a good time to run away, which I guess I'm kind of getting the reputation for, but uh, <laughs> it, it wasn't just that, you know, I managed to rescue some children. So I, you know, I had to get them yeah, safe actually, away from you did something great, yeah. I think so. Uh, we escaped with the children. I really, I believed that we were going to be like, just like in this sort of horror scenario where we were running through the woods and there was mists all around us and we had no way we didn't know which way to go, and the hags were like um, pursuing uh, pursuing us in like in their territory, kind of thing, mm-hmm. um, cackling all the way. But mercifully, Jack let us escape and get to the town. So that's where we are now. Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because the 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 way the adventure is set up is that there are a couple of and there's more. Don't worry. Uh, situations where as written um can be uh, like tpks fairly like yeah. i don't want to say unfairly but the game the module is trying to stress a couple things which is that 
it's not necessarily scaled to where you are. And there will be situations where, and this is why I was really impressed, Joel, even though maybe your friends weren't as thrilled about it, where you said, uh, cup eight. And you uh, took off because... I said what? You, you cut bait. You, oh, cut uh, bait, yeah. Yeah, because that's a perfect example. And it's, it's almost like designed, at least that section, to be for players to come... Because you're level four, and uh, they are night hags with a challenge rating of uh, only five. Oh, seven when part of a coven. There you go. <laughs> so <laughs> so yep. you're dealing with three CR7s um that uh when they're part of the coven for those who don't know there's a bunch of different uh there's some monsters in D&D that are they're called hags and they have a special ability that when there's only two of them they they're they're decently dangerous just on their own but when there are three of them they form a coven and all of a sudden they share their spell slots between them and they cast spells at 6th level and oh my god <laughs> and their 6th level is a, a really nasty spell called eye bite um, and I'm kind of spoiling a little bit of stuff here, but you know, Joel is, knows enough about this that I don't think there's that much of a deal. But how it works is that for the spell's duration, and it is concentration, but for the spell's duration, your eyes become an inky void imbued with dread power. One creature of your choice within 60 feet that you can see must succeed on a wisdom saving throw or be affected by one of the following effects of your choice for the duration. On each of your turns until the spell ends, you can use your action to target another creature, but can't target a creature again if it's beaten the saving throw. So you can you can make a creature fall asleep, um, but that's kind of lame because uh, if it takes any damage or another creature uses its action, it can wake up that creature. Lame. Panicked, the tar- target is frightened of you on each of its turn. Must use a dash to get away from you. Blah, blah, blah. Boring. Or the one that is actually appropriate, which is sickened. The target has disadvantage on attack rolls and ability checks. At the end of each of its turns, can make another wisdom saving throw. If it succeeds, the effect ends. So, you know what? You think, oh, for a six-level spell, it's kind of not the craziest. But then you think about bestow curse, which is what they can cast. And if you cast it at um, fifth level, it's not concentration. And you can make, uh, you can choose an ability score and the target has disadvantage in all those checks if they fail it. So, uh, and they disadvantage on attack rolls, and they have to make wisdom saving throws at the end of each of its turns. So if, you've already, if you choose wisdom as your thing to target, they're taking those at disadvantage, which is crazy. And I forgot about this. While the target is cursed, your attacks and spells do an extra 1d8 necrotic to it as well. So nasty, nasty stuff. Yeah. So anyway, they, it turned into a fight, obviously, and uh, the people were rolling decently well, but the they failed their wisdom saves. So Victoria was, this Victoria was cursed and eye bitten. Alex was cursed and uh, held uh, held personed, and they were I th- I think was did Victoria get down? Wars too. What? Yeah. Was Victoria down? Was she knocked out? No, nobody got knocked out. Nobody got knocked out. So it was definitely if you hadn't run, I think it would have turned into TPK because everyone would have stayed in one place. And that's where it gets tricky, too. And I think the only... The, the one thing I'll say, and I'll let you tell me what you thought overall, was that I keep forgetting to use Irina more because she turns into this afterthought for me when she should be more useful and kind of like this this Navi-esque sort of, hey, listen, type, you know, mm-hmm. I'm going to help you a bit. And she did help a bit during that the the fight with the uh, the Fire Elemental. Hilda, she's, she's like the only person... Uh, I mean, Mark, to heal people. Know Matt can, but... <laughs> Or Mark can, but he, he chooses not to. Yeah, he's a he's a battle clerk. 
but I, think uh, I got knocked out at some point. She brought me back up. Maybe during the elemental fight, because you were really the close there. Fight, yeah. yeah. So, but outside of that, um, I, I think personally, the only th- the the I th- this is something I struggle with, and I complain all the time, and I go and do it myself, so I feel badly. But there, there's an issue with undynamic fights in D and D. And it's tough to make them feel more interesting uh, unless I really think about it some more. And to be honest, I kind of just was grabbing stuff that was pre-written, thinking it's fine, it's meant to be quick. But I don't like fights where it turns into just people standing in one place or there's no positioning. And the the Fire Elemental fight was a perfect example of that because there was really not much to it insofar as that, unless I decided to move the monster. And luckily there was a movement-based attack for it, which makes an incentive to move them around a bit. But it just turns into people standing in one place and just kind of rolling dice to see if they hit or not and the hags were a little more dynamic because you had to there was some fleeing going on and there were different floors and you were jumping out windows so i was really happy with that but um what, what were your thoughts joel how did you what did you think about the uh, the session the the setup and the encounters yeah night and day the two encounters uh first encounter the main problem with it uh and i i've kind of like come across this a lot is encounters where you have a single enemy yeah it's it's just everyone takes a go, and then you hit yes no one chance, and like if it misses, it's like well I guess they're all going again, <laughs> and so it's never it's never uh, it's never scary right like one yeah. person could get knocked. Out. I'm a wizard. I was right up against the guy, and sure he does a lot of damage, but he get he only gets the chance to go once, and then everybody yeah. gets to hammer on him. You know, any one of the five of us, six of us could heal me yeah <laughs> so it's, it's just kind of like it's just a it's just a matter of time and a punch it's a slog down, yeah where you know i think maybe we can like throw in some very low level pathetic something some some mobs make it a little yeah. scarier uh some blood suckers or something uh yeah, so yeah, that's yeah, yeah. why the the hag enca- encounter was so interesting so scary is because you know um and it, and it was this funny thing where like you had probably warned us about six times in the conversations with the hags that the big one the mom is on her way and she'll be there sometime <laughs> soon she'll be here eventually and then you know we're just delaying 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 and she starts showing up and it's like okay time to start the fight <laughs> And, and yeah so like i mean three against six is a lot more like okay this this things are getting real we could die you know you really start to have to think about your moves and so that's the kind of situation is it's always you need more mobs and then obviously um mobs with spells are always like there's a lot more uncertainty there right you're, yeah. you're not okay you've seen once you've seen a mob once do its thing it's like okay it's got two claw attacks. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Survive the two claw attacks, and then you're okay. But yeah, whenever spells are thrown in, you just okay. Is I I can't go on my turn. I literally just have to sit here and try to make a save. Which is, and that's again, again, something else I've complained about. And there's, we've got a little bit of time left to talk about this. But the the fact that um, the, the it kind of feels bad losing your turn. Um, and that's why ideally it's okay if you can move quickly or you feel like it's exciting and you're watching stuff going on. It's I think there's nothing worse than combining the first problem with the second problem or the second issue where it's a boring fight and you've lost your turn and you just go, uh, 
Okay. Yeah, but in a sense, like not being able to go on your turn is is scarier than it is. Yes, before, at least to me, it's well, like it's, it's like whoa, like I'm not contributing to this fight. Yeah, if somebody somebody else doesn't do anything, I'm just gonna sit here and die. So. Yeah, no, I I agree. It just it, as a player, it can feel like maybe it's just me, but it I just don't like necessarily yanking control from players but at least there's like checks you can make and somebody else could have helped you or you know if mark was prepping like remove curse or <laughs> some other stuff like can you do that is that a cleric spell it sounds like it's something uh, that should be a cleric spell probably anyway he did try to remove the the addiction curse from them with lesser restoration though. yes he used lesser lesser rest restoration <laughs> yeah, yeah it's a cleric uh, spell but anyway, that's that's good. I'm uh, thank you for the your thoughts on it, and uh, it'll be interesting to see because I think things open up from here even more. It's now it's uh, you kind of found your new hub town. I don't want to spoil anything, but it's kind of yeah. can potentially be the new little spot to launch all your operations from. And well, we never know. We'll see what you guys do here. It may not be much of a town <laughs> by the time you're done if this is how you handle things. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Uh, but good. All right. Well. Uh, we can call it here. Thank you for listening. Androids Dungeon CFRU 93 FM. Check us out on Twitter at uh, Droid Dungeon Radio or AD Radio CFRU, excuse me, or shoot us an email at droiddungeonradio at gmail.com. Of course, uh, CFRU.ca. You can go to the archives page, listen to all that. And I will make an effort to actually upload this episode to Anchor so we can actually start putting out fresh content because I keep forgetting and I got to do some more because I always keep them at home. Blah, 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 blah. Nobody cares. Uh, until next time, though, I'm Jack. And I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Bye.